Well, good morning. We're going to continue on worshiping God through prayer. And over the next six weeks during this prayer time, we're going to be using Psalm 23 to pray. And that's the best way to pray because if we're praying scripture, then we know that we're praying the desire and the heart of God over our lives. Psalm 23, as you know, because it's so familiar, starts like this. The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. Our world focuses on created things. They think that created things are what they really need. But our God shows us that he is who we really need. So this morning... I want to invite you just to spend some time with your God and spend some time praying to God as your father. Try to go beyond a formal type prayer to just sharing your heart with God and tell God that you're who I need this morning. Please, will you meet my every need through you? Because the Lord is my shepherd. And if you have him, then you have everything that you need. So just focus on your personal with God. And just spend some time in prayer right now with him. Father, this morning, now as we open up your word, we pray that you would speak to us through your Holy Spirit in our hearts in a very personal way, in a way that no human being can speak to us, Lord, but only through your Spirit. Lord, we pray that as we hear the word, it would be like a double-edged sword to us, separating those, those thoughts inside of us what we ought to be dwelling on, what we shouldn't be dwelling on. And let us leave behind those things that we shouldn't be dwelling on to follow you, Lord God. Please be our Father. Please be our Shepherd this morning. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. One of the most powerful and, and moving testimonies of forgiveness comes from a lady named Corey Tim. Boone. Corey Tim Boone lived in the Netherlands, early 1900s. Um, she grew up prior to World War II. She grew up in a Christian family, and as the war began, her parents 
and thus her and her sister became involved in resisting the Nazis through helping Jews escape. And they helped dozens of Jews escape. They were very good at what they were doing there. But unfortunately, toward the end of the war in 1944, an informant ratted them out, and they got caught. They all got sent to concentration camps, and her and her sister got sent to an all-women's concentration camp called Ravensbrück. She survived, but unfortunately her sister did not. After the war, she began to travel in Europe and the United States with a message of God's love and forgiveness. And in 1947, she found herself doing several speaking engagements in Germany itself, again, emphasizing God's love and forgiveness to the people there. So she was at one place and she had finished speaking when she looked up and she saw somebody that she recognized. And she was stopped dead in her tracks because this was none other than one of the guards at this concentration camp called Ravensbrück. I don't usually read sections this long, but I want you to hear this in her own words. And that's when I saw him working his way forward against the others. One moment I saw the overcoat and the brown hat, the next a blue uniform and a visored cap with its skull and crossbones. It came back to me in a rush. The huge room with its harsh overlead lights, the pathetic pile of dresses and shoes in the center of the floor, the shame of walking naked past this man. I could see my sister's frail form ahead of me, ribs sharp beneath the parchment skin. Betsy, how thin you were. Betsy and I had been arrested for concealing Jews in our home during the Nazi occupation of Holland. This man had been a guard at Ravensbrück concentration camp where we were. Now he was in front of me, hand thrust out. A fine message, Froyon. How good it is to know that, as you say, all of our sins are at the bottom of the sea. And I, who had spoken so glibly of forgiveness, fumbled in my pocketbook rather than take his hand. He would not have remembered me, of course. How, how could he remember one prisoner among thousands? But I remembered him and the leather crop swinging from his belt. It was the first time since my release that I had been face to face with one of my captors and my blood seemed to freeze within me. You were mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk he was saying, I was a guard in there. No, he did not remember me. But since that time, he went on, I have become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me for cruel things that I did, but I would like to hear it from your lips as well, Fräulein. Again, hand came out, Will you forgive me? And Corey Tamboon sat there stunned. And she writes that almost mechanically she put her hand into his as just an act of the will. And as soon as she did that, God somehow softened her heart to forgiveness. And she was able to say, yes, I forgive you brother. So Corey Timboon lit learned firsthand the 
the experience through Christ of forgiving somebody of the worst of the worst of wrongs done to her. And this morning, we're going to dive into Scripture and take this journey with her to learn how to do one of the hardest things that we'll ever be asked to do, and that is to forgive. And to do that, turn with me first to Genesis chapter 4. If you have a Bible or a Bible app handy, we're in a series called Genesis Beginnings, where we're back at the beginning, back at the beginning of creation, back at the beginning of the Bible. We're going to read Genesis chapter 4, verses 17 through 24, and then from there we're also going to learn from Jesus firsthand about forgiveness in Matthew's gospel chapter 18. So if you want to have that marked and ready, we'll be heading there before too long as well. So Genesis chapter 4, starting in verse 17, Cain was intimate with his wife, and she conceived and gave birth to Enoch. Then Cain became the builder of a city, and he named the city Enoch after his son. Irad was born to Enoch. Irad fathered Mahuzael. Mahuzael fathered Methusael. And Methusael fathered Lamech. Lamech took two wives for himself, one named Ada and the other named Zillah. Ada born Jabel, who was the father of the nomadic herdsmen. His brother was named Jubal. He was the father of all who played the lyre and the flute. Zillah bore Tubal Cain, who made all kinds of bronze and iron tools. Tubal Cain's sister was Naamah. Lamech said to his wives, Adam and Zillah, Hear my voice, wives of Lamech. Pay attention to my words, for I killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain is to be avenged seven times over, then for Lamech it will be seventy-seven times. This is God's holy word. So last week, if you heard that message, we heard how... Cain murdered his brother Abel. And this week we hear about the family line of Cain down even to the six generations. And between Cain and this man that we're going to look at named Lamech, we don't hear a lot of the lives between them. We hear some of the milestones, but we don't have a lot of information about what happened between these two. What is emphasized in this passage, however, is Lamech's song. It's also called the sword song because it's about him murdering someone and then singing about this, almost writing poetry about his violence. More than anything, this whole passage is in Scripture uh, to show the ungodly line of Cain versus the godly chosen line of Seth, who we're going to look at next week. With Cain's line, things didn't get off to a good start. Obviously, he murdered his brother Abel. And then from there, it seems like this snowball effect where the sin just starts to get worse and worse with every branch 
in the family tree until you come to Lamech where he's singing about murder, murdering someone. And at that, it says he murdered a young man. And that word in Hebrew could actually mean a child. And he says he murdered this young man for just one little offense, like for basically nothing, for just some little silly injury that he ought to have been able to let it go, and instead he acted out with violent rage. Now, if you remember from our passage last week, after Cain murdered Abel, he, he cried out to God saying, this is more than I can bear. He was going to be a restless wonderer. And he said to God, if someone were to find me, identify me, they were going to kill me. So God, in his mercy, placed some type of mark on Cain, which kept him from, from being murdered, somehow protected him. And in this, Cain had claimed that he would suffer vengeance seven times over. For what he did. Now that's in verse 15 if you want to back up and glance at that. But then if you look at Lamech's song down in verses 23 and 24, you hear him sarcastically singing about how just for somebody touching him, he murdered them and they will be, they will be deserving to be punished. 77 times over if someone were to come and murder him. Basically laughing off this accountability. Basically not even acknowledging any wrong that, that he had done. Now think about it. What does that have to do with us? Isn't that oftentimes what makes forgiveness so hard? That They've wronged you. They've hurt you deeply. They've wronged a loved one. They've hurt a loved one really deeply. And they aren't even sorry about it. In a lot of cases, they don't even acknowledge what they did. They don't even acknowledge any type of wrong. They don't want anything to do with any type of accountability. Isn't that what makes forgiveness so difficult? It's not just what they've done. It's they won't even acknowledge what they have done, much less say that they're sorry for what they've done. How are we to forgive in the face of such evil and such manipulation and such hard-hearted lack of forgiveness? Well, thankfully, Jesus does give us some help here. And he gives us answers, and he himself, more importantly, is our answer. I hope you know him. I hope you have Jesus as your answer in your life. Because let me just say up front, without Christ and his forgiveness in your life, it's going to be near impossible to forgive someone of these wrongs that they've committed against you. So let's now turn over to Matthew's gospel. We're going to start out by reading verses 21 and 22. 
Then Peter approached him and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? As many as seven times? I tell you, not as many as seven, Jesus replied, but 77, 70 times seven. Now Peter usually was the first one to speak up. He kind of had that foot and mouth problem. He, he was very emotionally reactive, and he speaks up and he asks Jesus, how many times when someone wrongs us are we supposed to forgive? And almost answering his own question, he offers seven times, Lord. Now, to tell you why he may have offered that, the religious leaders, the Pharisees at that time, said that if someone has wronged you, then the rule of thumb was to forgive them up to three times. So Peter thought he was being real big. I'm going to not only forgive them three times, I'm going to forgive them seven times. How about that, Lord? And what Jesus answered back must have just shocked Peter. Jesus said, I tell you, not as many as seven, but 70 times seven. No, Peter, not just seven times, but an untold amount of times. God requires his disciples to forgive others when they have been wrong. Scholars point out that in using this number, Jesus may have been hinting back to Lamech's song in the Old Testament where Lamech bra bragged that he should be avenged 77 times. Jesus used that number 70 times 7. If Jesus was doing this, he's given us a powerful message about love and forgiveness. Even deeds as horribly despicable and evil and murderous as Lamech's and what it was must be forgiven if we are his disciples. And then to illustrate, Jesus then launches into a powerful parable. A parable is a story that Jesus told to teach a spiritual truth. He gave this parable about learning to forgive. Let's turn to read that now. This is Matthew 18, verses 23 through 35. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle accounts, one who owed 10,000 talents was brought before him. Since he did not have the money to pay it back, his master commanded that he, his wife, his children, and everything he had be sold to pay the debt. At this, the servant fell face down before him and said, Be patient with me and I will pay you everything. Then the master of that servant had compassion, released him, and forgave him the loan. That servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him, 
started choking him and said, pay what you own. At this, his fellow servant fell down and began begging him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he wasn't willing. Instead, he went and threw him into prison until he could pay what was owed. When the other servants saw what had taken place, they were deeply distressed and went and reported to their master everything that had happened. Then after he had summoned him, his master said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Shouldn't you also have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And because he was angry, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay back everything that was owed. So also my heavenly Father will do to you unless every one of you forgives his brother or sister from your heart. Now to sum up that parable, you have a king with servants. Some of his servants owed him money. He called in those loans for them to come in to pay the debts. One servant in particular owed an outrageous amount of money, 10,000 talents, which for us would be the equivalent of like $6 billion, something some average laborer could never even think of repaying. This man was looking at being sold into slavery, along with all of his belongings being sold, and even his wife and his children being sold into slavery to be able to pay off this debt. All he had to do, all he had left was just to go beg for the king's forgiveness and, and mercy. And that's what he did. And he threw himself prostrate before this king, and this king, just out of the mercy of his heart, granted him forgiveness. But you know what this, this servant did? Rather than going joyfully to celebrate his forgiveness, he went and found somebody that owed him. And this person owed him what would have been about $12,000. Still, some substantial money, but compared to $6 billion, it's just pennies. And he beat this person and forced him into a debtor's prison to pay back this money. When the king got a hold of what had happened, how this servant had responded to his grace, the king was outraged. He pulled this man back in, and he told him that you're now going to have to pay back every single penny of what you owed me, and you will be punished until you do. So what are we to learn from this parable about forgiveness? There are four key takeaways. One is we owe a massive debt to God. Our sin has formed a massive debt to God that, that we simply can't ever repay. We are that first servant that owed just an uncalculable amount of money. Our sin is like that before God. We're completely unable to pay our debt to God, our, our sin debt to God. 
Number three, God is extremely patient with us in this. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says, The Lord does not delay his promise, as some understand delay, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. Have you ever wondered why God hasn't demanded our debt from us? Have you ever wondered about why we're not immediately punished for all of our sins? The only answer is God's grace and mercy and his, his patience with us. His, his heart is bent toward mercy, even though God will bring about judgment and punishment if we will refuse to repent of our sins. Number four, the depth of God's forgiveness and grace is shown in this parable if we will receive it. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. The cross is all about God's forgiveness. It's all about his redemption. The word redemption means to buy something back. On the cross, Jesus paid our ransom for us to God to buy us back so that we could be forgiven of all of our sin, all of our debt repaid before God. That huge, massive debt that we would never, ever be able to repay, no matter how hard that we work at being good, has been forgiven for those who come to Christ by faith, asking for forgiveness, confessing their sin, trusting in Christ in his death and resurrection for them. Their sin has been washed away and forgiven their debt has been paid, and they are now released. Have you ever come to a place in your life where you have sincerely come to Christ saying, I'm a sinner. God, I'm unable to pay back my debt before you. Will you save me, Lord? Jesus is my only hope. Will you save me, Lord? I trust in him. Now, with all of these awesome truths, Let's all admit, forgiveness is still hard. Just as the forgiveness of the servant in the parable had not penetrated into his heart and changed his heart, so often does the knowledge of our salvation not penetrate into our heart and change our heart and bend it toward forgiveness of other people and the wrongs that they have committed against us. So what kind of forgiveness did Jesus have in mind here when he said that we are to forgive other people of their sins and wrongs against us? Verse 35 gives us the answer. So also my heavenly Father will do to you Unless every one of you forgives his brother or sister from your heart. So there you have it. Jesus was speaking about something that happens in our hearts. He was talking about attitudinal forgiveness. An attitude of forgiveness that every believer in Jesus Christ is required to have. Corey Tim Boone, the lady that I shared about in the beginning of the message emphasized continually in her teaching how 
forgiveness isn't a matter of feeling. It's not a matter of emotion. It's a matter of the will. It's a choice that we make to release somebody from our debt that has wronged us. Forgiveness is an act of surrender before God to obey Him because His Word tells us that we're to forgive. Getting to the point of forgiveness now may be a process, and there may be a lot of emotions in that process, but forgiveness itself is not a process. It's a decision that we make. It's an act of the will. It's Corey Tim Boone thrusting out her hand to that concentration camp guard. And in that moment, she bent her will to forgive. God enabled her the grace of forgiveness of this prison guard. This is something that we decide to do with God's enablement and help on the inside. It's a heart change. It's a submission to the Lord Jesus Christ. Forgiveness isn't a feeling because you can't wait until you stop feeling hurt or robbed or angry or bitter about what happened to you. Forgiveness is an act of the will. And in fact, when we're willing to forgive, that's when most of the time we find that release in our emotions. That's when those emotions begin to change, when we change our hearts. It's a decision to start treating them as a human being again. In forgiveness, we, we stop holding that which they have done against them. We release them. We stop trying to punish them in, in various ways. We, we stop withholding our affection. We, we stop trying to talk bad about them. We, we stop trying to hurt them in, in different ways. And we let it go in forgiveness. Now, how do you know when you have forgiven the other person? Sometimes that is a little bit confusing. Let me just offer three different ways that we know when we have forgiven that, that person. You know that you've forgiven that person truly if you don't bring it up again to that person. When you're in a disagreement about another matter with this person, then you don't go back there again. You, you don't use that as another way to, to win an argument with them. You, you, you stop bringing that up again. If, you, if, you're really, if you're really forgiving them, you stop using what they did against you as a weapon in the present. So you don't bring it up to them, but you also don't bring it up in true forgiveness with other people. You, you aren't out and about whispering and, and conversations away from that person telling other people how bad they, they were, how bad they are. You stop trying to put them in a bad light if you have forgiven that person. And the last is the hardest in forgiveness. 
you don't even bring it up to yourself. You aren't at, at work just thinking about and rehearsing over and over again in your mind what happened. You aren't in the morning getting up and thinking about this and just grinding that axe over and over again. In forgiveness, you, you let it go. You don't bring it up to them. You don't bring it up to other people. And you stop even bringing it up to yourself. So I conclude this morning. Are there any that you need to forgive today? Like I said, maybe you're not ready yet there. But maybe you can begin the process of moving toward forgiveness. Where you are willing to surrender and forgive that person. Maybe you need to just simply ask God and admit to him, God, I know I'm still angry and bitter about what happened. I'm not ready to forgive yet, but will you help me get ready? Will you help to soften my heart? Will you help me to see this person as a human being through your eyes? Will you help me even to love this person? Ask God's help, and he's going to be faithful to help you in that. So are there any that you need to forgive? Are there any that you need to ask for forgiveness from? Maybe this morning something's on your conscience, on your heart, and, and you're like the man Jesus mentioned in, in the Sermon on the Mount that he said, if you're on your way, to offer your, your sacrifice and you remember that your brother has something against you, meaning you've done something wrong against your brother or your sister, Jesus said the right thing to do is to stop right there, not go offer your offering yet or not go to worship yet, but first make things right with your brother by apologizing and asking their forgiveness. And then go worship the Lord. Offer your sacrifice. So is there anything that you need to ask forgiveness for from somebody this morning? And the last is the biggest, of course. Are there sins that you have yet to confess to the Lord? In an even greater way, have you ever asked for forgiveness from God? Have you come to Jesus by faith, confessing your sin and trusting him as your Lord and Savior? Having your sins forgiven and washed completely away. If you're willing to do that, then your position with God is completely changed. You go from being enemy to child. You're brought into the family of God and you're cleansed and you're righteous in God's eyes. That, it's a new standing that you have. That even as you're a Christian, a follower, a child of God, forgiven, have a new standing, you still need to ask for forgiveness from God. 
Because when we sin and when we backslide and, and drift away and run from him, our relationship with God gets disrupted. And there is a distance in that relationship. I hope you realize this, Christian, that you can still be, you can still be ultimately justified and forgiven, but yet still having a prodigal heart and running from God. Daily, we need to confess our sins to align our heart with his heart. And 1 John tells us that God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So maybe that's what you need to do this morning. Maybe ultimately you know that you're right with him, but Something is still coming in between you and God. Maybe this morning you need to come and get that right. Pray in your heart about that. Confess that sin and trust that he's going to be faithful and just to forgive you. Let's go to him in prayer. Jesus, we love you and we praise you because you conquered our sin. You offered the sacrifice in our place for our forgiveness so that we could have eternal life. Lord, I pray that you would help us first to confess those sins to you that we have in, in our lives, that you will forgive us, but then also help us to forgive others of wrong through the gospel or Help us not be unmoved by the gospel. Help the gospel penetrate our hearts and change us. Lord, help us not to make an, an idol out of ourselves. Help us to love you. And then go and freely forgive other people. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Will you stand this morning and respond as God is leading you?